BizQuick podcast hits on the struggles and advantages of being an entrepreneur. It's for anyone who's made the commitment to burn the boats and not look back. Are you a busy entrepreneur or small business owner trying to do it all? Then this podcast is for you. Corey and Julie will take you through the details of building a strong business. Hit the subscribe button and gear up for another episode of BizQuick Podcast. Welcome to BizQuick. I'm Julie. And I'm Corey. And today we have Monroe Murdoch. He is from Hawaii, though kind of now in Idaho. But when we worked with Monroe, he was in Hawaii. He was the owner of Love Hawaii, Hawaii Villas. I don't know what's happening with my speech today, Corey. I don't know either, but let's, my, let's keep it going. My tongue is all twisted. Um, anyway, Monroe and his wife, Rachel, own the company Love Hawaii Villas, and they worked with us to help them exit the business. And so Monroe's coming on today to talk about that experience. And before we bring him on, we are actually going to just chat a little bit about the importance of exit strategies and all things related to them. Yeah, it's one of those things that we always talk about with our clients, especially startups, is you want to build with the end in sight because you're, nobody lives forever, unfortunately. So at some point you're going to exit your business, whether that's uh, selling it, retiring, um, having to just to shut your doors, whatever it is, you're going to, your business, you are no longer going to be the owner of your business at some point. Um, so keep having that in mind as you're building your business and growing your business just makes that exit so much easier. Does I I, will, I do want to just acknowledge that this is the first time I've ever heard you admit that you're not going to live forever. I'm a special case, Julie. <laughs> yes, you are, Corey. Yes, you are. So um, that beginning with the end in mind is it's really important. Um, I think one of the biggest reasons that it's important to do it that way um, to identify triggers and reasons why you would sell and goals for selling is because. It takes the emotion or some of the emotion out of the decision when you're faced with it, right? So, you know, you may get an offer or, you know, from somebody or, hey, let's let's merge or I'd like to buy you or whatever it is. Or you realize that you're not making the money that you thought you were going to be and you have to make some hard decisions on your business. If you've already set triggers in place for, for what you will do if these certain situations occur, it's easier to act on them when you have a plan in place than if you're going in blind and then you're all emotional and twisted up in it. Yeah, and it's inevitable that I mean, for most people, they're gonna get they're gonna be emotional when it comes to their business. Uh, presumably, they've poured in blood, sweat, and tears over the years, and it's something that they hold near and dear to them. And and it's um, especially when it comes to like value, valuing your business and, or mm. when you get offers on your business, a lot of people get offended because they think that they're worth a lot more than what they really are. And the sad truth is like a lot of times your business might only be worth your name and your <laughs> name is worthless if it's not attached to the business anymore. So, you know, everything that you did to build that business doesn't matter anymore. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, we both have background in, in the uh, mergers and acquisitions space and have certainly been through, a lot of acquisition deals when, you know, working for former, um, you know, food distribution company. Um, 
and you see, you see a lot, you see everything. <laughs> and, um, a lot of it, you're kind of, I can remember so many times just shaking my head in complete disbelief over the things that were happening. And cause you know, we're going in landing on a, a company that has been purchased and we're spending, you know, six to 18 months on site with that company learning everything they do. And that's really a big part of how we became so knowledgeable with small businesses because you're seeing everything from front to back and you're helping them with their processes and human resources and all the things. Right. But you're also thinking, what were you thinking when you built this business? Right. So that's why that exit strategy and thinking about the end is so easy to do as you're building the business. And if you're building that, you know, strong foundation, it becomes so much easier to sell your business and your business is actually going to be worth more. And it's just going to make the process, especially if you're selling or passing it on to children or whatever it is, it's just going to make it that much easier. If you have processes to define, you have job descriptions, you you're organized. Like you don't have just the filing cabinet just stuffed full of papers. Like maybe it's, <laughs> you, you have it digital. That's a crazy idea. I know, but like keep everything, everything digital and keep it organized and spelling like archived correctly and all of those things. Um, that's a little joke <laughs> at me, <laughs> at, at Julie, but we won't get into that. <laughs> but, um, the, the, cause not, it's going to make that, that exit process that much easier. But the thing is it will also, um, make you more efficient in, like while you're running your business, which means that you're going to be able to make more money, take mm -hmm. more time off, do all of those things that you want with your business because you are building with the end in mind. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, I, I don't know. Like, do we have time for a, a quick, quick story? Um, I know, you know, one of the um, acquisitions that, that I worked on, which, you know, it, it is an exit strategy for somebody, right? When you have an acquisition, somebody has been bought. Um, they're, it was one of those Murphy laws, Murphy's law type of an acquisition where everything that could have possibly gone wrong, it, it just did. It was just one thing after another. And you, one of the things that we found out as we were going through the process and we're getting very close to finishing up the integration was that so much of their business was unprofitable, right? So, you know, we'd made this purchase thinking that the numbers were, X and you really couldn't dive into their books the way that you would have wanted to during due diligence, just because they're, um, I don't know, think, listen, it wasn't to the degree of an Enron scandal, but things were really twisted up and, you know, listed in a number of different ways inside their, their, their financials. And so we find out, you know, probably a month before we're about to complete this 18 month integration that like, they had, there were parts of their business where they were literally giving away food for free. They were losing money and trying to figure out now, how do you continue to, and sadly it was schools. <laughs> they were giving money, pretty much giving food to schools for free. You obviously want to feed the kids, but how do you, how do you turn that around? And that turning that around while going through an integration, it was absolutely crazy. So that due diligence piece is, is really key for somebody who's buying somebody, but also, you know, having your books straight and easy to read and, and look at from the seller's perspective is, is pretty important too. I thought you were going to tell the story of that time where, um, 
the old CFO left right before the uh, <laughs> right before we flipped the switch on the acquisition. And when we did, we found out there was like one point two million dollars missing, and that, nobody could get in touch with the old CFO. That was an interesting conundrum. No, I almost told the story of the liquefied raccoon in the oh, ceiling, yeah. but I I didn't. Yeah, that's that's good. <laughs> people, I'm sure they have a nice visual for yeah for the break. Though we're gonna take a quick break. Um, think about that raccoon, and we'll be back with Monroe. Listen up, BizQuick fans. Julie and Corey are launching two new group coaching programs designed specifically for aspiring entrepreneurs and small business owners. Small Business Startups is a 90-day program that will walk any aspiring entrepreneur through the steps required to launch a successful and solid business. The Small Business Accelerator is a nine-week coaching program that helps anyone with an existing business build a stronger foundation and create actionable goals to take their business to the next level. Check out both programs on our site under the services section or click on the link in the show notes to learn more. Now back to the show. And welcome back to the show. We have Monroe Murdoch on, formerly of Love Hawaii Villas. Still still working with them, I believe, but um, he's going to talk to us about exit strategies and kind of working with us. So welcome to the show, Monroe. Thank you. Appreciate it. Yeah, it's good to have you. We, um, we kind of miss working with you. You were so easy to work with. <laughs> It was such a good, um, good experience. I think probably all the way around um, working together. So, yeah. how are things going since you have sold and now you're, you're? How much time do you have left before you before you leave in total? Yeah, right. I'm down to about two months left in my six month contract, kind of the post closing six month contract. So it's it's going well. I mean, it's been a huge change for sure. So it's. Um, it's been a, a massive adjustment, but I would say, you know, we're achieving what we wanted to do. So I'm happy about that. Yeah. And I think part of your overall strategy, which we didn't realize until after the deal had closed, was that y'all were leaving Hawaii. You're you're moving to, a, you know, to the mainland. So. Right. Yeah. That was kind of something we kept pretty close and, and weren't sharing too much uh, just be, for a lot of different reasons. But yeah, after being in Hawaii for nine years, we realized it was time for us to go back to the mainland and, and, and have, you know, some different experiences. Yeah. That's yeah. And that's, that's exciting to, you know, to, to have a, that experience, but then, you know, be able to just go do a whole new one somewhere else, you know, and with a little extra cash in your pocket. So, um, the question that I have for you, so what have you been doing? I mean, what are, or what are your plans now that you're out of being a small business owner? Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know, it's a great question. I mean, it's it's still been really busy. It's just on different things. And, um, you know, in this kind of transition, there are certain responsibilities and expectations that the acquiring company had for me with it. And so I'm doing my best to fulfill that, but I'm also trying to give the new team and, and well, the existing team members and the new team members some space to do their jobs. So I've really been trying to take a step back let them do their jobs, um, have them reach out to me if needed. And I like that because I, I there's a lot less on my plate and I'm also just trying to let go. And it's not easy because 
there are issues and, and problems that come up and things that, um, you know, are just part of the transition, but, but, you know, I've just been focusing on getting my house ready to sell and just working with, you know, getting my family moved to our new, uh, new location in the mainland. And so that's been pretty busy just logistically. Um, so I haven't really felt, I don't think definitely the full effects of like the benefit of selling in terms of just, uh, being totally unplugged. Um, but that is the goal, you know, to get to that point where I had just a little more time and, uh, for myself and for my family. Nice. So what's next? Are you going to start another business or are you going to take some time off or what's, what's, do you have a plan yet? Yeah. Well, you know, my wife's kind of requiring me to take at least six months off, which will be interesting to see how that goes. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, You know, I, I think, you know, people that are driven and that do things and, and, you know, just, it's hard to imagine taking that time off, but I think what will happen is I'll just have a lot of fun working on our new property um, and just spending time with family and just decompressing because it has been a pretty intense last, you know, 10 years of working, but you know, as far as for the future, uh, I'll get my broker's license uh, in the new state we're moving to. And I will definitely be doing some other stuff in business and investments uh, in the future, but I haven't delineated anything specific yet. I'm just kind of leaving it open. And I just know when the time is right, you know, we'll be able to put some things together. Um, but I'm not thinking too hard on it right now. One of the um, the things that we've we've talked about before, um, I'm probably on this podcast, but if not, I know that we've we've covered it somewhere. But we've talked about when um, an acquisition happens and the original owner stays on. And generally, we always view it from our perspective of being the acquirer and how hard it is to work with the old old owner. What has it been like for you having to basically be an employee of the business that you built over the past decade? Mm. Yeah, that's a great question. It's it's definitely interesting. And I think to the credit of the company that acquired, you know, uh, our managed properties and everything, they, they've been really great overall to work with. I mean, it seems like it's been a very uh, positive thing on both sides in terms of we're both, you know, we're both sides are really trying to help each other out, make it positive, make it work. So that's been really awesome to see. Like, I don't, I don't ever feel like they're trying to undermine me or, or uh, change the deal or anything like that. And I think, I think the the hardest thing in all of it is just going from a, a state of being in control and kind of the one in charge and the buck stops with you to now, like, you feel like you don't really control anything, you know, and that's sort of how I felt where it's like, wow. And there's so many different people involved now from, you know, our mom and pop shop with like less than 20 people. Now you have a company with like literally hundreds of employees and massive departments. And so that's just a massive shift, not, not only for myself, but for the clients, you know, for the owners, for the guests, for the uh, existing team members who transitioned over. So it's just a massive learning curve for all of us. And I'm just, I mean, I'm rolling with it. I've been fine with it. Um, there are, there have been, and there are a lot of different issues and pain points. And so I'm just trying to take those and take those up up the ladder to the executive contacts I have, because one of the biggest challenges I have is I have no idea who to contact for what, because there's just way too many people. So I usually just take it to my key contacts at the executive level and say, Hey, I don't know who to talk to about this, but here you go. Uh, But again, overall it's been good. And, you know, I'm, I'm enjoying the transition because it's less responsibility on my shoulders. So I'm kind of enjoying that uh, break of not having everything fall to me and having, uh, having some help. Yeah, I bet it makes the takes a lot of the the pressure off of you. Um, one of the things that you know we have um, talked about, I, I know we talked about this with you as we as you were going through the sale, is that you know the two things that owners always ask about 
when they're getting ready to sell is, you know, how much money do you, will I get for my company and what's mm-hmm. going to happen to my employees, right? Those are the two things that people are top to always that people are concerned about. So from the employee perspective, like how, how did that turn out in terms of like, how difficult was that for you to sort of watch things unfold or how easy was it um, to see how things unfolded? Because there's, it's a lot of um, very dramatic change for mm. employees when they're, when they're being purchased. Yeah. Yeah. Great question. I mean, a couple of points on that is one of the hardest things for me was not really telling anyone anything and just keeping it close and just, and making that decision of, you know, we're just not really going to say anything until the deal um, comes together, which is what was recommended by the acquiring company. And in retrospect, I think I would have done it a little differently in that I would have talked to the key close team members and given them a heads up because that did create a little bit of an issue. And there were some problems on the acquiring company side. We were supposed to have a, a target date when it all happened and they hit it a day early. So then all of a sudden, all my team members were like, what's going on? Who's this? What's that? And it didn't really work out quite as planned. And, but at the end of the day, like the team members that transitioned over from my company, they all got a great deal, a great opportunity. And so it was really up to them at that point, you know, one chose not to continue and that was, you know, her decision. But I think we had made sure the deal was protecting our team. And so even though it was a surprise, even though it was upsetting, maybe for a time, like at the end of the day, like they all had jobs still, they all had opportunities. So I would have done a few things differently, but I don't really feel bad at all about it because we didn't fire anyone. You know, everyone had a great job at the end of the day. So the team members found out from the acquiring company and not from you? Yeah, it did not go well. Like literally um, something happened. I, I don't even remember the details of what it was, but something happened where all of a sudden the day prior to when our go live date was, all of a sudden all these, uh, some auto, oh, what it was is some automated things went out in the reservation system in the new company as they're setting it up and migrating data over. All of a sudden some mass emails went out to future guests in with the name of the new company and everything. And then guests are totally surprised by it saying, who is this company? What is this about? Is this some kind of scam? So then our team members were getting hit like left and right, like bombarded one the day before the news was supposed to break. And they're, they're calling me in a frantic, like what's going on? What's this? And it was, it was horrible, you know, like it really was. And I was not happy about that, but you know, at the end of the day, it's like, what can you do? I mean, it happened. You can't unhappen it, you know? So just roll with it. And I had to explain to them, but that kind of created this environment of, uh, you know, this, this uneasy environment with the team members, which I did not want to have. So that was definitely something I was pretty upset about, but I realized I couldn't do anything about it other than just damage control. So that did set the stage, I think, for this one particular team member, I think, to kind of feel like, man, we didn't give the heads up, you know, we probably should have, and just wasn't really on board to continue. And, and I felt really bad about that because I wanted that particular person to continue and have a great opportunity, but it just, you know, didn't work out for them. And that's, it's such a, a tight line that you have to walk because you want to take care of your team and you want to keep them informed and you want the best for them, but you also have to look out for yourself because if, if they find out the company is getting, you know, potentially you haven't even signed and you're not like, you know, you're not a hundred percent sold and they find out that you're selling the business, they could walk away and it just screws the entire deal. And now, you know, the acquirer could walk away and you're stuck with a company and no employees. Yeah. You know? Yeah. That's a huge risk that I would have taken had I decided to talk to them. 
And so in retrospect, I say, I want to, but you're right. Like, had I talked to them, you never know, like I could have lost some and, it, or it could have been uh, worse. So you really have to look at that closely. And I just took the advice of the acquiring company because they had way more M&A experience than I did. And they seemed like they knew what they were doing. So we just kind of went with that. And at the end of the day, it's probably good that we took that track. Yeah. And you, you, the, the company that acquired you, they were, you know, they're, they've made many acquisitions before. They were right. really good. They were very good at communicating the whole way through on things that were happening and had a very good strategy in place for doing the integration. So, um, mm. overall, I mean, well, I've seen, I've seen things go a lot worse. So, <laughs> you know, at the end of the day that, that I think they're, the way that it turned out, like the number of missteps was pretty minimal for, for the size of the transaction, which is good. Yeah. It seems smooth. I don't have any much to compare it to, but I was very happy with it. That's good. That's good. Yeah. So, um, you know, from the, if you had the, what are some of the things that you learned along the way in terms of, you know, when you go maybe your next venture and you get ready to sell are there things that you know now that you would like i'm going to do these things differently in order to to make this even easier next time mm-hmm. yeah a couple of things uh one is on the on the actual sales side the MA side I, I can't imagine having done it without the help of youtube for one and then also you know the attorney that <clears throat> you recommended so i think just, I'm a firm, even prior to this, I'm a firm believer in like paying people who are professionals to do specific things and hiring people to do the things that you don't know how to do. And so I think on the sales side, that was just a no brainer to us and to me. And, and that made a huge difference. I felt like, I mean, at the end of the day, I think we got a lot more money for the company than we would have. We had a lot less anxiety going through it. And so that to me was just totally worth it uh, to have that help and have that representation. And and probably far less of a cost than if I worked with an actual business broker, you know, probably saved me a ton of money. So that that's that part. And then the other part on the actual business building side would just be, you know, building the systems and processes and having, you know, having the things in place better. I mean, we did an okay job, but I think just really beginning with the end in mind, more of that type of thing where you think like, okay, if I'm an acquiring company, what do I want to see? And just really working hard the entire time on building out really solid systems and processes so that, so that it can kind of operate more independently with, without your day-to-day oversight. I think that makes it a more compelling acquisition target for a company. And uh, cause that's what we initially came on to help you do was to get right. you set up to be, you know, yeah. so that you're, you're the, like in the best position you could be to get acquired. And then it seemed like the next day, after we signed everything, you're like, oh, by the way, I've got an offer. And so we had to switch directions really quickly, but that's how quickly it, I mean, these things can happen. And that's why mm-hmm. being, being prepared ahead of time, because you never know when somebody's going to give you an offer you can't refuse or your business partner gets hit by a bus or whatever it is. Like there's the, the you need to be prepared for that, you know, that eventuality. Yeah, that's a good, that's a good point because I think even if we didn't have an offer come in right away, like the, the steps we were about to go through with you, were really important and needed to happen. It just so so happened that we needed to accelerate that whole process because we sort of bypass having to create, you know, go through and vet everything to having an, an LOI in hand. But I think it makes sense for companies that see that uh, potential sale in the future, you know, within it, you know, the year prior. Or so to really be looking at that or even earlier on, just to make sure you're setting that right groundwork. Um, 
and it ended up working out okay for us, even though we didn't have a chance to go through that whole process with you. But I think it would have uh, been even stronger, you know, had we had a chance to do that first. Can you um, sort of identify maybe two or three things that had the offer not come in right away, right? That you had more time to prepare these two or three things that you could have focused on that may have made that offer even more lucrative or stronger offer if it had come three or four or five months down the road? Mm -hmm. Yeah, I, I think we honing in on a couple of things, really getting the financials dialed in and maybe eliminating unnecessary um, expenditures or things to really help bolster the bottom line, I think would be one big focus that we could have taken on at a deeper level. And then I think the other would be something we kind of started down the road on and that you're helping us with, which was really delineating all of the roles and responsibilities and what each person's doing and kind of how that fits together in an overall like organizational structure and framework. Um, because I think that that kind of stuff, that kind of information is really helpful to the, to the company. And I, I feel like the little work that we were able to do on that and the interviewing that you did with the key managers and everything was, was helpful. So I think just, again, the organizational structure, the detailing of systems, and then just diving in deeper on the financial side, because that's not a strength of mine. So I think getting that help where you already did work with us on that, but I think going deep into financials and really analyzing that so that you can best determine, you know, the multiple of, uh, you know, whatever multiple you're using for that acquisition. Yeah. Um, so, you know, for our listeners, um, one of the areas that, you know, we is, gets easily confused as you're going through an m and through the M&A process is employees, their titles and, and salaries and, and the organizational, like the hierarchy of your business, right? So um, we tend to think if you're, if you give your employees these, you know, bigger salaries or these bigger titles that they're going to be protected as you go through the process and the opposite is almost always true where if you're, you have more generalist, um, titles for your employees and they have really well-written job descriptions. So it's clear what they're doing, what their roles and responsibilities are. And you have a very, very clear salary bands it makes it much easier for the acquiring company to absorb everybody into their company. And you're, 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 the chances of your team remaining safe after the acquisition increase dramatically. And, you know, I, I've been through so many of them where you see all of a sudden you bring in an organization and everybody in the organization is a VP or a director or a senior manager. And you're like, we can't, these don't titles don't fit. And so now You've got to, you've got to, you know, retitle people and they get really upset in the process because they think they're being downgraded in their roles within the new organization when the reality is the, the original owner didn't do them any favors by giving them these, you know, pumped up fake titles that didn't, didn't serve them well in the long run. So when you know you're going to sell one of the first things you should take a look at is how your organization is structured and what the employee titles are in the salary bands to get everything in alignment. That's going to help your employees way, way more in the long run than giving them these fancy titles that they're going to end up either getting a demotion or losing their job. That's a really good point. I just want to make a quick comment on that because the one person on our team that chose not to continue was in a director position. And I think one of the issues of concern she had is she felt like she was getting um, kind of demoted or into this other role and, and going from a director role into just more of a generalist 
role, even though, you know, her pay was going to be similar or this, you know, better. And, and I did see that as being a key issue of the, the expectation of, oh, I'm getting demoted from director to, to this. So I think you're on the money with that for sure. Yeah. Cause I mean, you buy a company and you're like, I've already got a VP of sales. I don't need two VP of sales. <laughs> right. So either someone's got to go or yeah. someone's got to change their title. And we, you know, our egos come into play and we don't want to have our, our titles taken away. That's why Corey and I don't even have titles. No, we're not, we're not even sure we, who the boss is. We made some titles up before. Mine was better though. Probably. Like, <laughs> I'm sure it was. Yeah. <laughs> um, well, we got to, uh, we're getting close to the end here. So we get to wrap up. Um, so before we go, is there anything that you want to add Monroe or, um, if you want to tell listeners how they can get in touch with you, if they want to talk about acquis- exiting their business. Yeah. Sure. Yeah. I mean, I, I don't, I don't have like a huge social media presence or anything, but I am on LinkedIn and then I do have just a personal blog page that I haven't really updated for a while, but just my full name Monroe Murdoch.com, or you can just find me on LinkedIn under Monroe Murdoch. And yeah, just, I mean, closing comment would be that, you know, just it, it's been a great first experience with the MA and it, I learned a ton. You know, it was really uh, a neat experience going through it. And I'm really happy with the outcome and, and just, you know, grateful for the help that you two gave us in that. And my wife and I both have talked several times about how fortuitous it was, you know, to get connected with you when we did and, and through the different uh, networking groups that we kind of uh, both are involved in and everything. Um, <clears throat> so, yeah, I mean, it just, it, in all things considered, you know, um, is really interesting process to go through. And I can't imagine trying to navigate that on my own. So I'm glad, you know, to have met you guys and have had the help for sure. Well, we loved working with you guys. We appreciate the good words before we go. Is there anything that we can do for you? No, I mean, I think just keeping in touch will be great because you never know. I mean, hopefully we can work again on on something. We've got ideas. I I, I do want to ask you one question. Um, so not, you know, if, Anybody who hasn't been a client of ours doesn't know that we do this, right? So, but we send, when we're done working with somebody, we send them a wow gift, right? Yeah. Uh, yeah. And I know when you got yours, you you sent us pictures. Were you really wowed by it? No, you know, and I should have actually said something about that before, but like the gift you guys sent us was amazing. Like it, it was I would I would say the nicest, most personalized gift that um, we've ever received, I think. You know, I mean, it's it's literally in our new home in the mainland. It is the first and main thing that you see when you walk in the home and the main entry. And it's like just such a cool uh, piece, you know, really custom, you know, box with our family photo on it. And just, yeah, we were totally blown away. And I, I know you'd mentioned you're going to send something. I didn't really know what to expect, but it, it far exceeded any expectations we would have had for a gift. And that just, you know, to me, it says volumes about you guys and how you do business. And just, you know, those little things where you're not like, promoting that or touting that or whatever, but it's more after the fact. And that just shows me that you really are committed to the relational aspect of your business and not just the transactional side. Same in my business, you know, there's, there's transactional agents and brokers and there's relational ones. You guys are obviously committed to the long-term relationship and the lifetime value of your clients. And that was evidenced really well in that gift. So yeah, that, that is amazing. And I wasn't there to receive it, but Rachel was texting me photos and I did see it in person like a week or two later and just couldn't believe it. We were just both admiring that, taking pics and sending it to you and letting you know just how much we appreciated it. So yes, that was, that was impressive. (laughs) We're glad that you liked it. It was, it was fun. It was fun designing it. So 
Yes, and and that was pretty much all Julie. I helped with grammar. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. He did help with the grammar on yours because yeah. I, you know, I was yeah. I wasn't really sure. Yes, but thanks. <laughs> Um, well, thanks again, uh, Monroe, and thank you to all of our listeners and everything about this show and all the ways that you can get in contact with Monroe will be in the show notes. Yeah, and if you want to work with us, you can connect with us on social media. I feel like I just botched this one. If you want to work with us, connect with us on social. That's not right. Sure. If you want to work with us, you can um you can check us out on our website, sbpace.com, or you can connect with us on social media. We're on LinkedIn. We're on TikTok, Instagram, Facebook, and YouTube. So we're pretty much everywhere. Don't forget to download and rate uh, and review this podcast if on whatever platform uh, you are listening to subscribe and if you want to be a guest or if you have the topics that you want us to cover reach out to us you can connect with us on our website yeah and we wrote a book it's called seriously now what a small business guide to disaster preparedness it has a digital download workbook and it's a number one bestseller on amazon if you've already purchased the book or we sent you a copy if you could head back to amazon rate and review it we would really appreciate it that's it for today. I'm Corey. I'm Julie. And this was BizQuick, helping small businesses across America.